Hello fellow time travelers, I'm Tony Witt with the Doctor Who Target Book Club podcast, the podcast in which we undertake the insert adjective here task of discussing in story order all of the Doctor Who novelizations. I'm joined by... Dalton Hughes. And by... Alison Fitzsafried. And we record our episodes twice a month. You're listening to the Video Junkyard Podcast. Enjoy your travels. This is the Video Junkyard Podcast. A place that appeals to your deepest and darkest fantasies. The dead who haunted souls hunt the living. I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. And I'm all out of bubblegum. From this nightmare world emerges a fearsome half-man, half-ape with the strength of 20 demons. Hey everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Video Junkyard Podcast. I am Eric Branson. with me at, oh, as always is my friend and co-host Joe Peterson. Joe, how's it going? Hey Eric, hey everybody, how's it going? Good, it's been yeah. good. We also have um, a special guest tonight, as promised. The one and only Ryan Stiskel is joining us again. Ryan, you there? Hi, third time's a charm, let's do this. Alright. Hey. <laughs> How's it going, Ryan? Thanks uh, for joining us again. <laughs> great, uh, great to be back here. Yeah, excited. Awesome. Um, and, uh, and quenched. This first is the first time you you've joined us when um, we're you're actually in the same room recording with somebody, right? So we are remote, <laughs> yeah. in three different locations. So yeah, we are. This is our our literal. No, I was gonna say it's our first video junkyard podcast three way, but actually. <laughs> no, no, Dan, uh, that Dan, one belongs to Danny. Danny, yeah, but it, but in Dan's fashion, it was it was pretty dirty because it was the Skype call. So this is our first right, clean right. and organized three way. <laughs> he'll, he'll appreciate that. I think so. <laughs> Personally, I, I if I'm not involved, I don't count it as a three way. So I'm good. Uh, <laughs> sorry it's like just okay. standing there and watching it doesn't count um <laughs> no it doesn't count <laughs> get in there man jesus we All haven't right, recorded so. five minutes in this podcast it's already gone way well, downhill <laughs> speak speaking of like orgies and unprotected sets let's talk about conan yeah right it's the that's a good segue it's a good segue it is actually a very good segue. yes that's a great segue and unfortunately i'm gonna i'm not gonna honor it for a second i do have a real quick uh <laughs> correction on last week's episode just wanted to point out to everybody that we on our 51st episode last week we uh reviewed the 80s vampire film near dark and um i believe both joe and i at multiple times claimed that it was the first female directed film that we had reviewed on the video junkyard podcast which we talked about how unfortunate that was but it took 51 episodes to get to that um we were incorrect about that we had weeks earlier had um reviewed on our chris farley episode had reviewed the film black sheep which we met as we mentioned on the episode was directed by penelope spheris who is actually a a, a very well known and renowned documentary and comedy filmmaker of, of the same era, so appear to Catherine Bigelow's. But anyway, just uh, a retraction and correction there. So it wasn't actually the first, but uh, they are still 
number far too low and i i like i said in mm-hmm. um we we do want to make a point to get a few more female directed written and directed films on the podcast especially classic ones because unfortunately they're kind of a rarity so um, yeah yeah we'll do our best to to get a few more on here and uh talk about them so anyway Absolutely. on to the orgies and the now, barbarian movies so which yeah it's probably <laughs> one of the reasons why you don't see stuff yeah you're kind of like we talked about orgies. Let's talk about female directors and how we need to honor them more. Let's go back to the orgies. <laughs> yes. <laughs> now that all that's up, no, I'm totally kidding. Yeah, let's go back <laughs> 20 years. Um, but yeah. in this case, actually, more than 20, uh, more like 36 years, right? It's uh, older than me. It's older than me. Yeah, it's older than me. So I think, Joe, you'd be the only one that was on on this planet at the time when Conan the Barbarian was originally released. And by the way, that is the movie we are reviewing or talking about this evening. Warrior. Thief. Gladiator. Give us what we desire. joining us for uh, a couple of weeks and uh we're going to talk about um 1982's conan the barbarian and next week we'll visit its uh sequel conan the destroyer yeah yeah so i was i was alive when this came out but i wouldn't say i was like (laughs) online or anything and um yeah you know i i and actually as we were talking about before we started recording um this first one here is one that i had seen before but not really i didn't I don't remember much about it, and it's sad because I just saw it hmm. not that long ago. But I, I just hadn't <laughs> seen. I didn't remember much about it. I think it was one of those like I watched it late at night and was tired and kept falling asleep or something. So in in reviewing yeah. it for the the next couple of episodes, uh, both of these films, these were more or less first viewings for me, just because I don't remember anything about them. Uh, these films for me and this is it's funny just because these were like seminal growing up movies and mm-hmm. um 
obviously, you know, and I talk about it all the time, knowing kind of my story and the way my parents were growing up, I saw both of these in edited for television format, but I had recorded them <laughs> and, you know, cut all the commercials out like we used to do back yep. in the day on VCR and <laughs> on VHS tapes. And, um, yeah, I, I've probably seen Conan the Barbarian, I don't know, at, at least 20 times in my life, maybe even more, but just, I basically wore that tape out. I've seen, I saw the sequel first, actually, but have seen it a lot less times, because even as I, as a kid, I liked it less than the first one, but I still have seen it a fair amount of times, and, and don't hate it, necessarily, but we'll get to reviews mm-hmm. later, but, um, yeah, this was a, this was an important one, as well as, like, my interest in, like, right around the same age as my interest in like role-playing games and, and fantasy in general kind of took off i discovered this movie i think on like i don't know tbs tnt late at night <laughs> you know kind of uh, edited for tv version of it which you know edited it loses a lot of its violence and obviously some of the sexual content but in general it's not too butchered i, I, I don't feel like it's like a totally different film yeah what about um, you ryan is this a first viewing for you this is uh yeah <laughs> this is a ver- first viewing for me uh, I've always been aware of them, but um, I've never really had the urge to see them. I have nothing mm-hmm. against like mm-hmm. like the sword and um, sword and sorcery type genres or anything like that. But it, I don't know. It's mm-hmm. it's one of those movies for me. It was like this has always existed. Enough people appreciate it. I don't need to do it. <laughs> but at the okay. same t- <laughs> but at the same time, I also like I kind of I kind of do want to know what's going on and. Um, yeah, so this is a first for me. Yeah, and I think you know that's it's something I've also been not to derail or anything, but something I've I've kind of been thinking about more lately about these things that are we, we call them classics, and I would say this is considered a classic, especially this first one. Yes, um, the know, first one for yeah, sure. It's, yeah, it's it's this classic film, and it's in it, it's a, it's a genre film, right? Just like sci-fi, <laughs> fantasy, horror, and stuff. And you've got your classics, and you know. It's kind of like being a science fiction fan and not liking the first Star Wars. You know, like, what's wrong with you? How can you be into sci-fi and not like that? How can you be into fantasy and not <laughs> like Conan? How can you, you know... I'm actually discovering that with... Uh, with I'm, I'm, for the first time now, reading the book Dune. And um, yeah. I'll be honest, I'm, I'm waiting for it to grab me. Like, okay, I'm a, <laughs> I'm a sci-fi fan. When does this get exciting? And I'm like, holy shit, it's Dune not. Dune will do that. And, and Dune never don't expect sci-fi action out of dune it's not <laughs> yeah and, but yeah I, I felt the same way when i read that book the first time um not that we need to talk dune on this podcast. right i we just wanted to bring someday, up the but... same kind of thing like you know don't feel obligated because like i'll have to hand in my nerd card if i don't like it or something i mean look at, yeah i mean you, know. you do but no, i'm just yeah. kidding. <laughs> positive to that is that um, I felt much the same way the, on my first read of it and it went on to become one of probably one of my favorite sci-fi novels of all time so well, hopefully it will with it. grow on you i'll that stick way, with so. it i'm just kind of waiting i mean <laughs> but, you know I'm, maybe the stuff i've been reading lately has been just like a lot catchier it jumps into things quickly and yeah this is it's it's uh I'm like okay let's see what's going on with this so but uh what i guess and because conan is such a well-known and popular film in in like american cinema um i mean what i don't think it's going to do it justice but do you, do you have like a short synopsis uh, sure, yeah, I do. Sorry, I should have uh, jumped on that already. But anyway, Conan the Barbarian, 1982. A young boy, Conan, becomes a slave after his parents are killed and tribe destroyed by a savage warlord and sorcerer, Thulsa Doom. When he grows 
up, he becomes a fearless, invincible fighter. Set free, he plots revenge against Thalsa Doom. Can, can, yeah, I guess that I is mean, a synopsis. Yeah, I just can, like I don't know. I mean, yeah. <laughs> so he gets he gets attacked essentially by Darth Vader with with a with a uh, bane cut. He has he has a bane, yeah. he has bane's like the worst bane's <laughs> yes. in cinema history. Like when that helmet comes <laughs> up, what? what <laughs> When that helmet comes off, you're like, this guy's going to be great. And you're like, oh, shit, James, dude. No, man, no. Well, yeah, but, and, and, and yeah, so, this, you know, the, the, the villain Thulsa Doom, played by the, the great James Earl Jones. Yeah. And, yeah, it's, it, it's, so that was one thing that both times I've watched this now. It's like, it, it's something that I know going into it, but I don't. It still gets me every time, like, oh, shit, that's right, James Earl Jones is in this. I mean, I could yeah. be looking at the DVD and, box and see James Earl Jones, but as soon as he, like, gets like, oh, shit, James Earl Jones. Because it well, he, seems out of place, but it, it actually works. Like, he's really good. Oh, it's such a good, he's such a good role for him. I I really, like, prefer him, obviously. I mean, Darth Vader's a given. Um, but, yeah, these two characters, Darth Vader and this, is what I think of. I don't think of, like, the kindly old man character that he plays in all the other stuff when people say... James Earl Jones, I, this is what I picture. I don't even think Mufasa, you know. It's it's uh, like Darth Thulsa Vader Doom. and it's Tulsa Doom and yeah, shooting and snakes, yeah, <laughs> shooting snakes. He's super creepy and his hair is really weird. I agree with that, but <laughs> like, what, what, who, who chose that wig? Who chose a couple well, of the like wigs on the yeah? <laughs> I think it's just hair extensions attached to his to his head that yeah. doesn't do the front part. That's what it. Because I kept staring. I'm like, yeah, there's two different textures going on. That's <laughs> now. Yeah, was, you're probably right. That's you know. I think like the the main star, of course, like the the star vehicle of this is is Arnold Schwarzenegger. <laughs> and mm-hmm. it, silent. It, He's very silent in that. Yeah. yeah. It, it is. Well, any... Is this is like one of his first films? I know it's early. It is among his first films he was in two or three prior to this um i do believe it was a conscious choice on and i I haven't been able to substantiate this anywhere i think nobody wants to say it but i think it was a choice on the producers uh that the producers made to not give him a whole lot of dialogue in this movie and it's because he had had a lot of problems with his english dialogue and i I think he was fluent in english at the time he just had accent and it was a second language and um he had a lot of problems with it when he made the film Hercules in New York, which yeah. is a kind of famous, terrible movie. Um, but they, they ended up dubbing him, and because it was so bad, like, his English was... So I, I think when... He was always kind of attached to this project from the get-go, so I think they just right away said, okay, well, we can't have Conan really doing these, like, elegant, elegant like, long diatribes or anything. Mm-hmm. Which isn't, like, you know, really in his character a whole lot anyway, but... Um, they they made him particularly quiet. I mean, if you're familiar at all with the literary character, um, he's certainly not like a, a big oafish. And I don't think Art Schwarzenegger comes off as oafish here necessarily, but the um, he perhaps not the like wily, intelligent character that uh, Robert E. Howard mm-hmm. wrote. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I'm not sure. I think he's actually pretty good in this movie, and I think it was a good choice to keep him kind of... He's believable. He's believable yeah. as a barbarian. It's just like, yeah. Well, and and I'm I'm glad you you mentioned that, Ryan, because this is I, I was reading up you know, as I do when I'm watching these. I kind of surf about the movie a bit, and and you know, I usually have you know I usually have my phone or a computer in front of me when I'm watching these things and take notes of things. I started going down one of those Google rabbit holes. 
that and um, and um, like, what is a barbarian, like, what is a barbarian like, really when, I, like, when somebody says when, barbarian, I, when somebody says barbarian this is the barbaric. image this is the image now. that you, you just think of arnold schwarzenegger in this movie that's <laughs> pretty much right pretty much or, or, right or, 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 yeah punching the camel yeah or yeah you know you think of the but how but looking up like a but looking up like a barbarian was simply just like a person that wasn't a member of a tribe and so they were considered and so they were considered uncivilized and so, right. and, and so in a way the, in a way I, I don't the, know if Robert I, I don't Howard know if Robert E. Howard used that term, used that term when he named this character, he named did, this he, character? did he he, he did, did absolutely yeah he called, called him it was, it was like, like I don't know his characters were all like of something it was like um, Call of Atlantis Conan the Barbarian or Conan of Samaria um, I don't remember Red Sonia is one of his characters and it was Sonia something um he, t- he always had like that kind of descript- describer to his uh, characters. Yeah. So I mean, essentially. Yeah, so I mean, essentially, in, in another language, in, in another language, it'd be Conan, Conan, Conan the Ronan, Conan the Ronan. Yeah. You know, it's and, you know, and it's, barbarian. I'm not sure if that was attached to him from the get go. I know his early stories were published under Conan of Samaria. Of Samaria, this, Samaria yeah. But yeah, it's. Um, um, by the way, I don't know if you guys have ever read any of that stuff, but Robert Howard's. Conan stuff's pretty incredible short stories. If you like the sort of sorcery genre, they're pretty good. Pretty good stuff. Well, yeah, and, and this, well, yeah, and, and, this, and that's something I wanted, to and that's something I wanted to mention too. Is how you know the film came out in eighty two, but the character was created back in the nineteen thirty and was in yep. weird and was in Weird Tales magazine. You know, the, the same publication that published a lot of H.P. Lovecraft's work. work. These two were, mm-hmm. in fact, these two were, were friends, um, pen pals, uh, really. Yeah, yeah. And, and wrote back and forth and critiqued each other's work, and then and then turned into turned into books and comics. I believe and I believe even cartoons or something, cartoons or something. You know. There, there, was, there was an animated series. There was a television series as well. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Anyway. So you know. This, so you know this. This, this fi- for the film the fi- to be for the film to well be as well remembered is actually is actually kind of kind of if you think about impressive. it. Because, I mean, look at if you well, think about look at the, because, like, the John Carter. Look at the, like, the John Carter Mars Mars did, that's a, a Disney famous did, series of books. A famous series of books. And the movie just and fell the movie flat. Right. So flat, because it's got right? a lot so of because it's got a lot of history and didn't connect with yeah. You know, but this one you know, but this one did. I mean, did. It, I mean, it. It. But I think timing. But I think timing was an important part of that, right? It came, right? Out, it came out like right you mentioned, like right, right at the peak of like the D and D and all that. So yeah, and, and I, I think, think that I think they, you know, when, when putting this together, together like Rafaela Raffaella, Rafaela De Laurentiis, the head producer on this film, and um, her and her team, um, and probably director John Milas, although he was at added late after someone else dropped out i think but um i think they were really smart with the way they put the film together and that's that they didn't only base this on a famous like literary or pulp fiction character um that people were familiar with through for those those books the continuing novels the comic books etc um but also they really tapped into this like phenomenon of dungeons and dragons like this is probably the first time that a dungeons and dragons type campaign like was really literally put on film and arguably is still maybe the best interpretation they've ever done and i'll talk about it a little bit with the sequel as well but they're these films are both kind of right out of you know <laughs> the role-playing game campaign um just right down to like the character archetypes and um the way that you know uh, it's structured as well like the, the phases of uh 
think most of the game, but the way the film progresses throughout. Um, so yeah, I think it was it was really smart that they tapped into that. So that I don't think they entirely based this just on you know the work of Robert E. Howard. I also think they brought in that really strong like role playing game fantasy element. Also, um, I think this is the point where fantasy or like fairy tale, like we were all together once talking about the film Legend, right? Um, and so fantasy and sword and sorcery kind of take separate paths right like so so the film legend i would put in the, the category of being a fantasy film and this one i always call sword and sorcery well why are those different well it's because of kind of the gritty violence realism of the sword and sorcery genre and then kind of the fairy tale um you know and then you could argue which is which like i, I usually would put you know lord of the rings in the high high fantasy genre although that certainly has some violence and so, such in it um but, but yeah, yeah, something, something like, like Conan, Conan and um, kind of the, like, large amount of really unmemorable sword and sorcery films, films that followed this. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, there, there was, like, kind of a quick um, boom in all sword and sorcery films coming, especially out of Europe. But um, <laughs> Don Coscarelli would be really upset with me. Um, Beastmaster. Bring this up. But yeah, Beastmaster um, came out shortly after Conan the Barbarian. He spent most of his career post making that film saying that it was not a ripoff of Conan. They were in production at the same time, and I believe him. But it's, yeah, still, it came out in its in its wake, so it kind of added to that phenomenon as well. So that's another famous. Yeah, and I agree I agree with like the, the difference between those two, those two subgenres. Um, I, I would even add. To I, that, I would even that add to that the, the that I think one of the the key things that sword and sorcery films don't tend to have as much of are non-human, non-human characters. characters. You know, yes. you, you yeah. know, you, you've got you've got gritty, gritty violent, violent people. people. And there might be magic. And there might involved. be magic involved. In the, in the, sorcery, the sorcery, right? But it's, right. Like, but it's not like fairies granting wishes, fairies granting like wishes, or anything like that. These are people of different tribes. It's a little more primitive, and I mean primitive in like a kind of kind of geological geological context. Like this looks like this looks like it took place on on thousands of years ago. Thousands of years ago. Yeah. Um, and, and, well, and Robert Howard's you know, stories were all set, set in what he called like the Hyperion Age, which was a forgotten age, you know, prior to like Babylonian time. Like, I mean, yeah. see, that's yeah. not where he was picturing, you know, these forgotten empires and realms that fell before recorded history, and that's when he set all of this stuff happening. So I think they kind of stayed true to that. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. Well, and and well, um, and, and um, the the artwork at this artwork time too, at this time too was was really was, pretty. Was really Pretty impactful. Impactful. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's, it's hard to talk about barbarian and certain sorcery stuff without bringing up Frank Frenzetta. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Obviously, his his artwork I think kind of influenced the entire look and style of this film, right down to the casting of Schwarzenegger as as Conan. Yeah. So now Ryan. Yeah. I mean, now Ryan. As, I mean, as as. I was waiting for that segue. I was waiting for that segue. As an artist, as an artist, as an artist, I knew this. Well, actually, well, actually, it's a legitimate one. It's a legitimate one. It is. It is. I mean, what are your thoughts of Rosetta's work and how that transferred on the film style, at least in style here? Well, so well. First off, with Rosetta, I'm influenced more by a lot of. I'm influenced more by a lot of comic artists and 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 a lot of comic artists. 
comic not artist. Not a lot of people know. Not a lot of people know. Sounds like a pretentious that's, that art. Sounds thing. like I didn't mean to sound like that. I didn't mean to But no, but a lot of the artists I do follow. But no, but a lot of the artists I do follow appreciate, like Ashley Wood. Appreciate, like Ashley Wood. He's he's an Australian comic artist. He has like an expressionistic expressionistic style to his paintings and it's beautiful inspired by he's heavily inspired i don't know any comic i don't know any comic book artist isn't inspired by frazetta and and for good reason for this movie there's a lot yeah there's a lot of elements like i'm like yeah i see it i see it a lot and um even with the the remake even with the remake they were trying to do that and there's bits and pieces there and conan kind of go hand if you're making a conan movie if you're making a conan movie you have to put frazetta in there in some form i think the most and i think the most scene for that iconic scene for that for me was the scene where he shows up into the dungeon into the the dungeon like steal that jewel to like and steal that jewel like, I think the, the whole snakes setup, there like, just, i think the whole that's setup what that just, that's what made me that's that's the moment that's the moment where i was feeling frazetta but um yeah yeah that i mean i could see that image on the cover image on the cover of metal magazine heavy metal magazine or something you know that's like that that's like you said that's like it's almost like a like the old like the EC old comics, EC comics, Tales from the Crypt, right? Tales from the Crypt, right? Their covers were always a scene from something, from something. So I would say, a scene, you're, you're looking at you're a looking moment, in, of, moment of something, and um, um, you know, you don't see that, you know, you in don't see that in, in all comic book covers. There's always an image, you're always seeing an image here, and even even Renato Casario, who did the poster for this, and he does a poster for art for a lot of stuff, but even his but even his main promotional main promotional poster for Conan the Barbarian is pretty. I mean, pretty. I mean, you think it's a Frazetta because it fits so perfect because it fits so perfect with the movie, and the movie fits perfect, and the movie fits perfect with style. But yeah, and this the cast of this also there's. It's we we've mentioned you know Schwarzenegger we mentioned uh, James Earl Jones but this also has uh, Max von Sydow in it, yep. uh, Mako, yeah. Mako, uh, yeah, who's <laughs> who you know pops up then, uh, you know again in Conan the Destroyer for for as, as a for the wizard for my generation Mako for those who are listening uh, Aku the shape shifting demon I believe right from Samurai Jack you guys ever watch Samurai Jack. Oh, that's right. He was. Yeah, that's that's was the yeah, I, most uh-huh. iconic person for for I know people who I grew up with. That was it. That's who he is for us. Huh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I didn't realize that. I I do remember watching that show on occasion. Like when so. he did the. Yeah. I forgot about that he was in this. So first off, <laughs> let me. I'm I'm different from you guys where I, my approach isn't to look into this. My approach is to go in like a parent who just got dragged into a v, like a like a blockbuster. Kid <laughs> chose something like fuck whatever, we'll watch it. And I have no idea what the hell I'm getting into. Even though I'm aware of it, I just I still don't know. So yeah, and actually, that's that's kind of my approach to some <laughs> to most things if I haven't seen them as well. I do I do the research on the back end. Like I like to watch them fresh. Like. <laughs> and I was going to say, so so when when Mako when he is narrating when that when that starts when he starts to narrate mm-hmm. like my master, I'm like holy shit, it's Aku, <laughs> fucking yeah. shapeshifter. Yeah, that, that's where my brain is... went, and I was like, that's what excited me. That was the moment where I'm like, yeah, I'm ready for this. Let's do this. Yeah, his, um, his voice is as iconic, I would say, as like Kevin Conroy and Mark Hamill for the Batman the Animated Series stuff. I mean, yeah, it's, yeah. It's very iconic. And um, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, the cast in this, too, is, is really quite good. You know, they're they're you can tell everybody's really kind of 
putting something really unique into each performance, <laughs> yeah. which is always nice. Um, and the effects, too. Um, They're fun. Some They're fun. Actually, really, really cool ones. I mean, some that are clearly, like, that's I, a big animatronic snake, but... <laughs> Yeah, I actually expected the snake to be worse because I remember thinking it was a little hokey, even like when I was watching this growing up. And like, he's kind of just picking it up. It's not even that mechanic. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was gonna say it wasn't really that bad. Like, it didn't hurt the movie for me. No, like, it wasn't so bad that it was um, took me out of it for any reason. Like, I don't know. It worked for me. So, like his um, his resurrection scene ghost. with the ghosts. Oh yeah, cool. the crucifixion and then resurrection. Yeah. And I actually wrote down a note about that, and then. Because I didn't, even in this era, like, I don't remember seeing a whole lot of doing, like, actual, like, um, it looked like it was just animation over film cells. So, like, it was, you know, essentially a cartoon special effect, which is, I want to say, pretty rare outside of a movie like, you know, Who Framed Roger Rabbit that actually had cartoons in it. But, um, so that was interesting as well, and I thought it really worked well for that scene. So, yeah, overall, I think the effects really worked well. I, t- I mean, I love that they kind of have a... Um, it just fits the kind of the mood of the film that they have like a wild bunch esque amount of blood on every time someone gets even you know kind of scratched with a sword, but um, <laughs> a lot yeah, of hemophilia. It's just kind of all what, make, what makes it work. As the... <laughs> yeah, it's but, it's almost uh, like they're making up for how tame you know every time you see in a TV show somebody has a sword slashed at them they just fall back ah dead and there's never any blood. And yeah. it's almost like they <laughs> saved all of that potential blood and put it in this movie. <laughs> like right because away, you're you right. Watch Somebody a whole gets village. Poked. A whole village gets wiped out. <laughs> you got dogs yeah. tearing away at people. You got beheadings. You got the whole mix. And well, was... yeah, the, there's, yeah, the the beginning of this actually. One of the, I, one of the things I put in my notes is that this the whole opening sequence is um, it runs the risk of being rushed and it. You know, sometimes in films when they try to rush an origin like that, either they make the whole movie the origin, which kind of sucks, um, yeah, or they rush through it so quickly it doesn't really make a lot of sense. But they they covered it really well in this. Like, yeah, I I like that it starts that way too, and it's not done in like flashback later, like some films will do, because mm-hmm. so, it really sets it forward as as the story or the main you know arc of this is is it Conan's coming of age and is like his revenge i mean that's kind of what leads him into the movie obviously ends then being like and he goes on to have many adventures and that's another story and um this whole film just kind of in a way it is an origin film but it's also you know him coming of age and becoming who who he is through getting revenge so (laughs) you know also doom in this yeah with his beginning i i was noticing and first off i have i have to state that i'm at I'm kind of the I'm going to be kind of the cynic of this particular film. I don't I actually prefer the second one. And so when we get to that, we'll get to that. But mm-hmm. this there's merits to this one. Um and part of it is like it's opening and like the building up of this character mainly through visuals. And that's the thing because they're Conan isn't very talkative in this movie as we've talked about and he is so so it's they're going to focus on like the build up visually. So you see his family get wiped out. You see him sold into slavery and you see him pushing a wheel for God knows how long, which side note, I'm like, what the hell is this wheel doing? 
for for what 15 years <laughs> 15 20 years whatever like what is the purpose of this wheel what is it doing other than pr- like just connecting like this is how he gets buff because he's the only one pushing it at the end like he's pushing it with mm-hmm. a bunch of people but when he's grown up he's the only one pushing it and it's so symbolic i guess because the little trinket around his neck is like a wooden like representation of that circular spiked like wheel whatever it is and then they throw him in some cage fights and some shit and they have that weird emotional scene with the redheaded dude <laughs> just like you're free now man i'm sad i'm like okay yeah. is that character gonna come back because <laughs> he's really the, emotional uh... about this this exit no okay yeah cool having him there's a scene in that opening montage that kind of always got me or at least like recently when on a rewatch i was kind of like okay what's this scene supposed to say about conan and that's um, they bring him when he's a pit fighter. They bring him a a woman. Oh and yeah, she's very terrified, and they like you know they rip her clothes off, and and she's very terrified, and he's he's very like gentle with her. But then at the end of the scene, he still very he still much goes like, for know, it, throws himself yeah. on her. So I'm like, well, okay, he's he's a very gentle rapist. It, it's a feminist you know, rough it, rapist. It's but, a feminist picture. Like it's I was kind of picture. like, okay, well, what, yeah, what, what was that? trying to say about him i i kind of i kind of wish that little piece hadn't have been there because right it would have made because the rest of his action the way he he like relates to um valeria especially when he he runs into hers uh there's actually like kind of a little like romantic part of this film and i i I feel like that's part of his coming of age especially the way he loses her due to his revenge pact you know against this um I've also I've also never really liked the fact that she like comes back her ghost comes back and saves him is one of my least oh, favorite moments like in a, the film like but a, I, I like a Valkyrie of some yeah. kind yeah yeah she comes yeah. back as the Valkyrie <laughs> and by the right. way I did look up the Wheel of Pain because I thought it was cool <laughs> that you know essentially and according to even like the the Conan mythos stuff it's not re- nope it's not really clear if it actually serves a purpose other than essentially being like a prisoner torture device. Like we'll just keep we're you twelve year old. Work. We'll just yeah, we're just gonna keep you chained wow. to it, and you're just gonna push it until you either die or we find some other use for you. It just you're keeps the last you... one. You're the last one standing, so we're just gonna throw you in a pit. How long do you last? Wow, that gives a whole other like um, meaning to it. I, I just figured he was getting strong, so they took the other people away. But I guess he just outlived the rest of them. He did. But... Yeah, that's what. And it he is. ended up getting it's... strong because he was the only one pushing it. Don't don't get me wrong. <laughs> right. Don't get me wrong. I think it's cool. I think cinematically and like I said, visually, I think it's cool. This is what this movie is. Visually, it's fun. It's cool. But substance wise, same with this wheel. All right, what's the point of that? Yeah, I think it was just it's. Uh, I that... mean, it's it's an effective thing to do with prisoners i guess i mean <laughs> you know it's Suppose, it's this is yeah. the it's yeah it's kind of like if you ever saw cool hand luke right and he was just like dig a hole and he digs a hole and he's like oh you got to fill that hole back and he makes him fill it in he makes him do it over and over again dig a hole and fill it back in it's it's uh i don't know it's pretty messed up psychological prisoner torture if you ask me you know keeps but, them yeah. passive and exhausted until they can used for more productive tasks but Apparently. but but oh, the transition to that. The... Oh, I was gonna say the transition to that. though was just like, wow, okay, so we're gonna keep torturing you, but we know so you're a good fighter, so you we're gonna give you like this scholarship to go to visit this yeah. king to learn or warlord <laughs> to learn how to do war. It's like that doesn't. That's where I'm just like, okay, this explains 
this explains why Conan's able to to be a warrior. So there's that. But as a slave owner, I'm like, do I really want to ca- take my like violent cage fighter that I knew for since he was a boy and like I'm gonna teach him how to truly battle? And <laughs> that's why he set him free. He's like, oh fuck, I made a mistake. <laughs> I gotta let this yeah, guy go. It's like Mike Tyson. You guys set this guy free before he kills me. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, no, I kind of like all those little things in this. I really liked that, actually. I think it actually paints the character pretty well, and it does it pretty efficiently. Like, you're not... It's It, it spends, what, maybe 20 minutes of screen time on him... him To, to bring him to adulthood and to put him on the path of what the rest <laughs> of the film is going to be about. Um, which is pretty good, considering that some films, even of this era would spend, you know, over half its screen time on the origin story or whatever. So, um, I don't, I don't think it ever feels boring. I agree with, I agree with you, Ryan, that some of it feels like, why does that scene need to be there? Like for a good example, another good example of that is the, the er, scene early in the film with the, the witch in the desert that, um, you know, brings him in and, um, I feel like that scene was just kind of put there, first of all, to have like a, a kind of a sex scene early in the film. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but also to be like, to push the fantasy setting a little bit. Like we need some some magic or some like a, witchcraft like a witch. here. Just throw some a witch, like, yeah. Yeah. And it really, I mean, I know she put him on the path to the, you know, the snake with two heads and stuff. But I mean, he already saw, we, we already visually got all that yeah. from when his parents are massacred or his village is massacred early on. Well, it essentially serves no purpose whatsoever well, except to be like, hey, that's magic, you know? Well, not just yeah. that he, he meets his first companion chained outside where you're just like, dude, you've been chained us outside this whole time and now I'm aware of you. <laughs> it's like <laughs> right oh you were there the whole time you heard that huh <laughs> but it's like yeah yeah i did and it begs the question like okay so you're not baneable so she just fed you to the dogs um but <laughs> right but that's the thing i i guess criticism for conan i think it was trying to be it was trying to be like a frazetta style like just just scenic mm-hmm. like focus on mm-hmm. that and there's yeah. elements where there, there, there's trying but like i said it's just like but you have other elements now given i know that this criticism comes from the fact that i think we're just spoiled by by better cinematography nowadays like i've been watching the show legion i've been re-watching it if you want to talk about just a cinematic beauty confusing is all hell but just cinematically beautiful the way that all scenes are set up and that's what i'm i'm used to mm-hmm. so when you get a scene mm-hmm. set up like you do in conan these older films it's hard because i have to like separate from that it's because it's like, I know the future. The future's better. But at the same time, it's just like, okay, it, essentially Conan is what it is. Blood and guts and boobs and butts. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's... That's what people want, and that's why they didn't like the second movie. But, yeah, but it's got... True film, but... but, we'll but I, I, I have to definitely give this film points for, essentially, even though it's a paraphrase from originally from Genghis Khan, uh, this has given my household essentially the family motto. And I've got my nine-year-old now, who has not seen the movie. I haven't let her watch it. But I, I, I is at a point where if she's out on the swing set, I can open the door and say, Hey, Lisa, what is best in life? And she'll be like, to crush your enemies, see them driven before you, and hear the lamentations of their women. Wee! So... <laughs> You know, you're a, you're a hell of a father. <laughs> it, it is, it is that, and and his his prayer to Crom at the end before that oh, yeah. is one of my. 
favorite. Actually, that's <laughs> one of my favorite lines in this. As much as I love the what is best in life, which is so awesome. Um, yeah. the pose and everything, but just that, you know, Krom, I have never prayed to you before. I have no tongue for it. And just ends it with, to hell with you. <laughs> All I can think of is being like, all of a sudden I'm like 10 years old in church and like, you know, here endeth the lesson. <laughs> <You know? laughs> oh, Krom. I love Krom. Google Krom's my favorite browser, actually. Sorry, I really oh, God. throw that in there. <laughs> the guy who's not a dad tells the worst dad joke. Jesus Christ. Yeah, I was going to say, that's, that's some good, good dad jokes there. Yeah. Maybe you guys need to nice. up your dad uh, jokes. I don't know. I, I guess. So. I don't know. But, no, I think overall, this one, I see why it has, again, if you put yourself in when it came out, right, I can see why this film has lasting power. I can yeah, see yeah, why. I, it's, I see. It's one it's of it's, Arnold is is actually really really great in it for the character. Um, yeah, he really I'm, and I always th- I always have thought that he's among your '80s action stars. Although I don't know, I I I'll always stick up for Sylvester Stallone as well. But he's he's really not as bad of an actor as he gets a rap for being, and especially in movies like this where he gets some room to some some scenes to actually do something, you know, other than kick ass or whatever. Um, he's he. I thought he was quite good in this movie, actually, and in the sequel as well. We'll, we'll talk about that, but um, yeah. I, I, well, and, I'll, and I'll, I definitely want to say how because we, I don't think we we've mentioned this enough. We mentioned the character, but Sandal Bergman as the character of Valeria is bad yes. ass in this. She's <laughs> awesome in this. Agreed. Yeah, she, I think she is a good. Um, I I don't know. I. I She's a good stepping stone character for eventually there being, like, good representation of um, females in movies. She's almost there. And it, it and it's 1982 when this came out, mm-hmm. so, I mean, this is, like, it's a decade ahead of its time at least. I, I agree um, with that, yeah. Because... Um, she, she's just well-rounded, and, like, not only is she, is she a warrior, and but I think she holds her own as a character, as a as a warrior, as all those things. So, sorry, Ryan. No, no, it's fine. I, I didn't mean to cut you off. I was just going to say that, uh, yeah, I agree with you. In fact, it's, it's, there's, there's a lot of times where I'm like, realistically, she should be the lead of the team. In fact, I always saw her as the lead of the team. I know it's Conan's film, but it's just like, yeah, no, she's the leader like of uh-huh. this group she's the she has the she's the most balanced she's uh, intelligence well, strength she, bravery the group she came into like conan and, and sabatoy are you know one is obviously the brains one is the brawn and they are you know working that way and she really represents both yeah, she, aspects of that yeah so. yeah and that's where it's well split, and yeah. it's also cool that she actually does all of her own stunts I didn't know in that. In this film. Yeah. I didn't yeah. Know that. She, she's... I didn't uh, realize that either, but... Yeah, she... They they couldn't find a stunt woman to match her size, so she learned to do all of her own stunt work for this, which is pretty... Imp- those are some impressive stunts. She's doing, she like, a the... a lot of flips. You know, <laughs> flips and jumping off walls and slashing, and, mm-hmm. I mean, I have to say that her... You know, we, we were joking about, you know, one slash and blood squirts out and somebody falls. The way she's actually swinging a sword, it's actually kind of scarily, scary believable. Like, she could actually be doing that. And, uh, yeah. yeah, so she actually did all of her own stunts. She was also in... She was actually offered the role um, for the film Red Sonia, the lead role, which we were talking a little bit about before we recorded. That's... Mm-hmm. had it, It's... For those of you not in awareness... Or in awareness 
of this. Uh, Red Sonia is another <laughs> character in the Conan mythos, and she had her own movie around in the 80s, um, but it's not actually connected to the Conan films, which is really unfortunate because that could have yep. been early universe building right there. Well, I will say maybe it's not too unfortunate because Quoten Arnold, he, he apparently used Red Sonia to punish his kids when they were misbehaving because it was such a bad movie. So, <laughs> yeah. so maybe... I've not seen it, but I've heard that it's a, it's a very far cry from even, even the lesser of the Conan, well, what's considered the lesser Conan film, The Destroyer, but um, I should watch it someday just to say I've seen it. But <laughs> Of course you have. But... Uh... Yes. So what do we think? If we were to give this a grade, uh, Ryan, we'll start with you. What would you give this? Like from a, an A to an F, what would you what would you uh, rate this one as? An A to an F. Well, so like my criticisms aside, I will say it is it is it, if you want to watch this genre, it, it's necessary. I, it's for sword and sorcery movies. I would give it a a, a strong A minus. For, for that alone um and i think people should watch it it's it's not that it doesn't have its bits <laughs> it's, um <laughs> it's definitely a great movie if you're with your guy friends and you just get drunk and want to watch a movie so i would say that it's fun it's fun to watch what about you eric yeah for me um i mean i'm, I'm a little biased because i grew up and this is an all-time favorite of mine so i it's it's right up there with um with these types of films with willow and lord of the rings and and beastmaster and so i this may be like the the ultimate one of those actually just uh amount of times i've seen it and just really really um grew up watching this one so i come with come at it with a little bit of bias but i think it, it aged well like i was impressed i hadn't seen it in over a decade and um sure it's got some warts that are a little more visible these days but um it's definitely my favorite character that schwarzenegger's ever played um you know just just a little bit above mr freeze just kidding oh um, god but <laughs> and uh <laughs> i um i think he's yeah i think he's really good in it i think it's a it's a good movie it's got a lot of like I, it's just it's a perfect D and D campaign, really, and um, I also think its sequel is a perfect D and D. It just it just played out that way, and um, yeah, I, it, it's an A for me. I I, lo- I loved it growing up, and I still I, I found all of that still appealing about it. Rewatching it, so nice. I I, I think I'm I'm kind of with both you guys. I I'm gonna give it an A minus uh, just because you know some of the production quality and. And and some of the dialogue was was a little choppy. Again, I've, I've mentioned favorite lines already, but when when Conan and 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 Subutai are walking down the street and the prostitute engages them, and Conan just yells out, "Ah, you're a slut!" I <laughs> fucking lose it every time. Oh my god! Yeah. Yeah, and it's like, <laughs> Arnold, we're filming. All right, just keep it in, right? Keep it in the film. Um, but no, just, I, I had to mention that because, God, I love that fucking part. It's just, it cracks me up. Yeah, the way I mean, it's just he knocks out a camel, too. So yeah, he, he I, he did mention that shit briefly. Yeah, yeah the, the, well. but yeah, I, I got to give this one an A-, minus too. I think uh, it's, it, it's, I can see people's criticisms regarding, you know, the quality, but again, for its time and even as today, it's, if you... It's a great example, or it is the example of a sword and sorcery film, um, you know, over fantasy. So yeah, I, I really like this one. And 
And we still have more to talk about, though, with Conan, because as you said, next week we're going to be talking about uh, Conan the Destroyer, right? The sequel. So. Yep. The 1984, so two years later, um, sequel. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, and then uh, coming up weeks after that, we are going to talk about westerns. We're going to talk about musicals. We're going to talk about Kevin Costner. Mm-hmm. And also some Forgotten Franchise uh, show. Another new Forgotten Franchise show coming at you. So uh, hopefully Ryan will be back to join us for a lot of that stuff. I hope uh, we can make that work out. So um, Absolutely. Awesome. Good. Yeah, I... <laughs> Sounds good. Yeah, I'm uh, looking forward to those. So, um, yeah, if you uh, have seen Conan the Barbarian or its sequel and have an opinion yourself, uh, let us know. Reach out to us via the Facebook group or uh, send us an email at videojunkyardpodcast at gmail.com with your review or review anything that we've talked about on the Video Junkyard Podcast. If you take the time to write it, we will take the time to read it. And, uh, yeah, hope to hear from you. We're also now accepting prayers uh, to Crom. That's right. <laughs> yes, yeah. Please, if you have a, if you have your your favorite crom prayer, um, you know the the one that you say. So we need to start start the uh, have to start a a, a crom prayer circle. Yeah, you know, <laughs> it's better than set, right? I mean, I, I don't know. I I, I can't. I keep remembering shit, you know, like little notes and stuff, but uh, I can't let this podcast conclude, though, without mentioning James Earl Jones turned into a fucking snake. Uh, how yes, did we, we not mention there. <laughs> Good transformation, too. I kind of like it. It actually was pretty good. Yeah. Oh, my God. But, uh, but I guess on that note, we'll have to pick up more of the conan discussion for, uh, for next week. But, yeah, I want to thank everybody for tuning in. Ryan, thank you for joining us. Once again, yes, it's a blast to have you here as always. So, so, all right, well, thanks everybody for tuning in. This is the Video Junkyard Podcast. I'm Joe Peterson. I'm Eric Branson, and I'm Ryan Stiskel. <laughs> have a good evening, Praise everybody. Crom. You have been listening to the Video Junkyard Podcast. I do wish we could chat longer, but I'm having an old friend. You just can't let them go. Go. Stay on the road. Keep clear to the moors. We want to take this opportunity to thank you for listening to the Video Junkyard Podcast and remind you to find us on social media on Facebook at facebook.com slash videojunkyardpodcast, on Twitter at videojunkpod, and on Instagram as videojunkyardpodcast, all one word. Want to thank you again for listening. And keep digging. Who knows what treasures you'll find in the video junkyard.